Um, because for some people, that's entertaining. <laughs> that to just, it's, she's fighting over him, or she's fighting with him, or she's fighting about something. But very rarely, it's like, you know what? I'm going through my stuff, and it might be him involved. But I'm not necessarily saying, okay, I'm going to negate my friendships because I have everything else to do. So I felt like it was something that needed to be said, but it needed to be said in a way that people would actually read it. Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler. And this is Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, the stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have Alyssa Banks, who recently penned her first novel entitled The Sanctified Chicks. As the 10th of 11 children, she grew up with a vivid imagination that now echoes in her career as an artist and as a professor of graphic design at UMES. With the completion of this novel, she can now add author to that list. So welcome to the podcast, Alyssa. Thank you. <laughs> so when you first got here, we were talking a little bit about your novel, Sanctify Chicks, mm-hmm. and you informed me that, which I didn't know ahead of time, this is going to be a trilogy. Yes, trilogy. These yes. four ladies who go back to their... 16 years, yep. you know, being teenagers and now they're, now they're women and you're going to bring this whole thing full circle. Full circle. Three of them. Three's a charm, they say. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what kind of kicked off this series for you, these four women coming together? Was it sort of inspired by life or how did you kind of come to, to this particular story? For me, I guess growing up, you know, we had the novels and the trilogies and the series of stories but it kind of seemed like as I got older they were few and far in between okay everything was about drama and everything else but nothing was more so what really makes good friendships because I kind of feel like that's life right right. Um, I grew up with um five sisters (laughs) so I wanted to bring that to the table so that everyone else could see that too Gotcha. So you start this first novel. You started um, as they're, they're grown ladies, mm-hmm. and they're going. You're going to flash back to when they're 16. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I wanted to introduce them as adults so that you could see that they finally did get it together. Okay. <laughs> um, but then I wanted to flash back to explain why they have it together and how they got to the point where they have it together because I feel like so often in life we meet people and they have it together and we forget that hey. They didn't start out like this. Sure. So let me go back and give them a glimpse of possibly what could happen in your life. Some of the great memoirs and even the great fictional memoirs always start off with, and we grew up and we were fine. And now let me show you how deranged we were when we were <laughs> Absolutely. Children. Absolutely. Kind of along those lines. <laughs> now, when you're trying to develop this, because it's almost in a backwards way, and then you want to add two books on top of it. What's the planning process like for laying out all three books? Because we've had a couple of people on who have written series before, and um, oftentimes they get to the end and they're like, okay, this is where it stops, but now I want to do something else. But mm-hmm. sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to do a little bit here and a little bit there, like having the the trilogy laid out in front of you is, is kind of a different way of doing things. So Definitely. Um, when I started writing, I was set. I'm just going to write a book and it's going to be finished. I started writing and I got pretty much to the end of this book. And I was like, I need to pause and kind of just give them enough to say, okay, we're interested. We've fallen in love with the characters, but then I need to go back and tell more of their story Mm -hmm. because initially I hadn't planned a trilogy. (laughs) It was to just write one book and that was it. But the more I started planning, it was like, uh, I think I need to give more of the story. So for this particularly, it was 
like you said, it starts when they're adults and then it goes back to when they were teenagers and then it flashes back to when they're adults. And I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure people are going to want to know what happened from the time the flashback ended to the time it meets back up to when they're adults. So that's what caused the second book. And then the third book was more so because there's events that happen in the first book that I have to go back and tell you what happens after those events. So that's how it ended up being, okay, I might need to write a trilogy and not so leave it as one book. <laughs> but it's also cool because it's not super linear. It's, it's, you have a, the, the books will stand on their own, but it, right. they'll they'll enrich one another as they absolutely as they go along. Yep. Yeah, I love those little moments where, and I, I think it was especially true, like in the Harry Potter series, and uh, where by the time you get to like book three, you learn something that changes how you feel about something in <laughs> absolutely. You know, the first book. Right. So it sounds like you're kind of planning a little bit of a reveal for these four women mm-hmm. um, as we move through the the novels that we may find out things in book three that are going to be like, oh, now I got to go back to book one <laughs> because I was super right. mad at her when she did this, <laughs> but now I get it. You know? Right. Absolutely. Because um, their personalities will stay the same, but they'll mature as they go along. So even though you meet them as adults, it then explains why they speak the way that they speak or how they introduce themselves or how they speak a certain way in the first book. It explains it more when they flash back. So then in the second book, it'll explain it even more as to why they are the way that they are. Yeah, As we grow up, I think a lot of times our, I mean, they say one has mellowed, but I, I think it's true. You have this personality that you develop pretty early on mm-hmm. and then you learn how much of it you can show to whom, when. Right. <laughs> And then by the time you're a little bit older, you're like, okay, well, if anybody from your childhood would be like, oh, no, that's like, I, I saw him smile. <laughs> hey, he didn't mean to smile. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So it takes you through their friendship. So you kind of get how they feel each other, how they balance each other out. So they end up being like one of them's the mediator and the other one's the, the mouthpiece. She's going to say whatever she wants to say to whomever. But don't mess with her friends. Right. But she's going to say what she needs to say. So you kind of have all of these characters joined together. Now, one of the things we, we had another author on Andrew Heller and he did, he's doing a series trilogy. Mm -hmm. uh, And one of the things he said was it was a fiction series, kind of a young adult feel. And one of the things that happened was some of the people in his book or many of the people in his book are based on real life. So I'm sitting Mm -hmm. here, you have five sisters, there's four women (laughs) in this. I'm just, and I don't want to get anybody. Yeah. I don't want to get anyone. (laughs) I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but do the women in your life, um, especially your sisters Mm -hmm. or, or do they, did you kind of draw on them as, you know, some of these, for for these ladies? I did um, draw on them for the personalities because they were the ones that I knew the most. Sure. sure. Um, I have best friends, but I didn't know them from the time I was born. So it's easier to pick out, okay, I do have a mouthy sister. And when she hears this, she's going to know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) I do have a mouthy sister. I do have a sister that keeps us kind of together. I do have a sister that's a rebel. (laughs) She knows that. Um, So it kind of pulls everybody in. Okay. In that aspect, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Oh, no. But, you know, <laughs> sometimes when you're when you're doing fiction, we do pull, you know, you write what you know. And if you're, if you know, there are strong women in your lives and you're Absolutely. writing about strong women. My sisters were so far apart in age. The next sister up for me is five years older than me. So, and then it goes up from like nine years older than me, 11 years older than me. So as far as trying to depict an adult, quote unquote, <laughs> 
I don't really consider myself an adult. Um, <laughs> so it was easy to pick up of their personalities because I feel like they're adults. So it was kind of like, okay, well, how, do, how would they carry themselves in this situation? Then how would they do it? Then it was easier to write. Now, I'm from a tiny family. There were only six of us. So <laughs> one of the things, now I'm 20 years older than my youngest brother. We didn't have a real relationship until he was in his 20s. Like, we had more of a, I mean, he's the same age as my oldest daughter. How did your relationship with your sisters as a young woman influence you or as a girl really influence mm-hmm. you? And as you got older, they're just like, oh, wait, no, that's not what she was really like. Because I think, <laughs> I think every day my brothers are like, oh, wow, no, he's really not as super cool as we thought. <laughs> she makes mistakes too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess for me, like I said, because the next sister up for me is five years older than me, the way the order went that my parents had children was they actually had two boys and then they had five girls, all five of my sisters. <laughs> then they had two more boys. And then I was the surprise girl. And then they had another boy. So, like, age-wise, I'm surrounded by boys. Okay. So, my sisters were always kind of like those mentors to me. Right. Okay. Because it was, don't listen to your brothers, because <laughs> they would probably steer you wrong. <laughs> they were very protective, my brothers were, but as far as, like, being a lady, it was kind of like, I don't really know if they could tell me that. Right. So, my sisters were always like those mentors. They were, nah, you might not want to do that. If I'm having problems with my friends, like, she said this, 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 and this. And my sisters are like, okay, you just have to deal with it. Don't get crazy. This is how you deal with it. We've all been through it, that kind of thing. So, it was always good to have my sisters as like, they went through it first. So, then I just came behind and didn't necessarily have to make the same mistakes they did. Sure. Because they told me everything anyway. So your background is in art and graphic design. And so here you are writing a trilogy. And first of all, I just want to say I'm insanely jealous that anybody could do things. I mean, I'm like a stick figure and that's it. You know, (laughs) how does your brain work? I don't know how my brain works. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still trying to figure that out. (laughs) But um, for me, I feel like writing has always been something that I've been interested in. As a matter of fact, when I was in college, I went through like the general education courses and One of my English teachers was like, seriously, you need to be a writer. And I'm like, no, I just want to do art. (laughs) And that's kind of thing. I don't don't want to write. I want to go where the money is. I just want to do art. And that's, I know, I don't really want to be a writer. And I've always written, but it's kind of just been something I pushed to the side. It was probably in the last, like, three years, it was kind of like, you know, you can have more than one thing that you do. You don't really necessarily have to do one thing. So that's when I started, like, trying to perfect my gift of writing. And it turned into a book. (laughs) So that's kind of how it went. You set out to just start writing more and and ended up writing a book. When did the doodle change into the the final work, into a purpose? It kind of works the same way that my art works. Sometimes I start and it's kind of like, well, I don't really get this when I'm starting, but I just feel it. And that was kind of how I started just writing. And this story started coming together. And I'm like, wait, this is actually making sense. So maybe (laughs) I need to stop and actually sit down and plan this out. And that's when I sat down and said, hey, talk to my husband. Like, look, I really think I'm writing a book and it's really good. I think so. Maybe I should actually sit down. He's like, go for it. So that's what happened when I went for it. It kind of starts out crazy, but it ends up being a masterpiece, kind of like (laughs) everything else that I do in life. So it worked out. I know what it's like for me to sit down and write, Mm -hmm. but for you to sit down and do a piece of art versus when you sit down to do writing, is that process similar? Is it the same? Like, are you visualizing what these characters look like and how they're coming to life in the same Mm -hmm. way when you're writing as when you're doing art? 
Yes, it is the same process. So that's probably why um, in reading my book, you'll actually see that it's very vivid. Okay. Um, everything is visual because I'm a visual artist. So sure. it's yeah. difficult to right. not describe what I see because I'll see it as I'm writing. So that's probably the benefit of being an artist and a writer is that I can typically see it so that I'm just describing what I'm seeing already. So that kind of helps with the process. So, yeah. And if anybody actually, if you get the chance, um, there is a reading on the website and yep. you, you'll, you'll see the, the kind of, the kind of fine detail that, um, it was funny cause you called attention to the fact that one of the characters was wearing a pencil skirt and I don't know what a pencil skirt was. <laughs> and, and it, one of the things it's always difficult as a reader when you're, when you're reading something like, I don't, I don't read a lot of books that have pencil skirts in them, frankly. <laughs> right. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to have to make up what that looks like as I, as I go along. Yeah. Um, but the, 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 the rest of it though was, was, was super vivid. And the idea that you, you didn't just choose the colors, you also chose the brands. And I don't know if you chose the brands for just that particular character for a particular reason. Do, do brands p- play that kind of part in, the story they do especially for the brand that i mentioned um i think i'd mentioned st john's um that brand and you mentioned and you mentioned shoes and i at louis first, at first <laughs> so i called that i was like yeah. louis girls got louis what, yes. what, what, what was really amazing to me was i'm like i thought it was a type of shoe at first and then she mentioned the type of dress i'm like no that shoe was probably the brand it probably wasn't oh yeah, yeah it's, it's very expensive it's i'm very super cool expensive shoe and again it plays along with that you see that they're successful and they're together now but then to see the contrast of when they were younger, it kind of gives you more of an, an appreciation for right. where they are now and what they're wearing and why they're wearing it and how they got to that point. So it just gives more of a reason for you to love them, <laughs> per se. And it's also, but it also is something that when, as as a person sitting in the crowd, it's it brings out how much more striking they are that mm-hmm. that. The, the the description of the women is striking enough, and then you add when you when you add what they're wearing, it just kind of brings them into into like a sharp mm-hmm. into into sharper focus. I yep. think that was a plan. Like I said, <laughs> like when I draw, that's the same concept. You start minimal and then you build on it. So that's what I did initially in the beginning edits. I didn't have everything laid out like what they were wearing. It was just very brief. Like, oh, this is what she looks like, and keep it moving. And then the more I started writing, it was like I might need to give them a little more meat um, to, right. to the story, and that's how that came about. Yeah, when you were when you were doing your reading, I could visualize what was going on in my head, and I thought. And especially when we got to the the way that you were describing the women reminded me of like when you look at a painting, when you look at a piece of art, it's the detail that grabs you, mm-hmm. right? So if you just describe lady wearing a skirt or wearing, you know, black shoes, mm-hmm. to say that, to, to, to add that detail kind of like now I sort of, I start to have an understanding, right. you know, whereas, and, and so I think that sort of is where maybe for you, the art background and right. the writing background are kind of meshing really well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's definitely yeah. it. Um, it's got, like I said, it's, I tried to write as if I'm trying to describe a work of art to someone. Okay. So that's literally how I wrote the entire book. Like if I was a, if I was describing an event, how would I describe someone like, describe to someone else where I am. Like if I'm sitting in a car, how would I describe to them? Like what's in front of me? Am I just, is it just 
a regular car? Is it a clean car? Is it a dirty car? Is are, is my interior black? Is it tan? Is it leather? Is it not? Like those simple details, it's just like really going into detail about what they visually would see when they're reading it. Because you mentioned Harry Potter. That's like, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was like a Harry Potter fan. Like all day, every day. Like I could read it 24-7. And that was one of the greatest things I felt like was accomplished with the book is because what I saw when I read it, when I saw the movie, it was what I saw. Yeah. So it complemented exactly what J.K. Rowling was actually writing, she accomplished it because I saw it. And I think one of my favorite things is Aunt Petunia. How I envisioned her in the first book, and when I saw the movie, I was like, oh, my God. That's what I saw. I saw her just like that. So that's my goal (laughs) as an author, to make sure that I give everybody that visual. And when you uh, talk about teasing it out in the second and and third edits, I guess, um, that's always difficult for me because I'm, I'm verbose. I when I go to edit, I'm not going to add stuff. I, when when I we were we were just talking about this a couple of weeks ago. When I'm editing, I'm trying to take out all the blather mm-hmm. and to get to the things that are useful. Um, whereas you have this kind of this kind of building process, and that's that's something that's unusual to me. It's not something I've experienced. Usually, edit means cut, like edit right. and cut. <laughs> you know, I, you no one says you got to edit this. Add four thousand words. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> and so as you were going through, did you know that you were going to go back and fill in the color? Or as you went back to do the cutting, you're like, oh, there's nothing here to cut. We need to add. Um, It was a little bit of both. Some places I was writing and I knew I'm going to have to go back and fill in here. Right. But while I'm thinking, as the art, that's the artist in me, I need to get this out while it's here. So mm-hmm. that because if I don't, I'm going to forget what I'm writing. So um. There were some parts where I just wrote, okay, I have to go back and fill in. There were other parts that I wrote, and then it was like, it's fine. And then I went back, and I'm like, eh, maybe I might need to add a little detail just so that the style is consistent throughout the entire book. So um, planning out the, uh, the, second, the second and third and third part of the trilogies, how, how, how are they coming? Have you sat down with them yet? Is that on yes. your short to-do list? Yes, I have sat down. Um, I'm probably in the middle of the second book, um, and it was a lot harder <laughs> <laughs> yeah. than the first book. The first book, kind of, the storyline came, and it was okay, but now going back and actually filling in that gap between the time when they're 16 and the time you meet back up with them as adults is very interesting. Um, because it's, like I said, the age range is even, because I wanted it to be realistic as well. So they're between the ages of 16 and 31. Okay. A lot happens between 16 and 31. (laughs) So it's trying to figure out what parts of their lives are actually needed for you to understand their character and what parts are just kind of like fly by night. So literally it was like sitting down and outlining their lives from 16 to 31. And then it's like, okay, is she married? All right. So I have to go back to her dating. So then I had to go back to like everything when she met him. How was she before she met him? And then connected to, okay, when she was 16, if this is how she dealt with things, then how is she actually going to date someone? Like, right. what is she going to do when she dates them? Is she still going to be feisty or is she not going to be feisty? Um, so it was just going through all those transitions, but literally writing an outline and going for it. So the second book, yes. The third, I have not touched at all. <laughs> all right. What? I'm taking it one book at a time. But yeah. well, it's funny because you describe that in the exact way that I personally wouldn't write it, but obviously in the way, because you were, you're filling it in, in the mm-hmm. middle, as we were, as we were just talking about, you're like, and there's this and there's that. 
and then we're going to add a little bit this, and then we're going to add a little. And <laughs> right. so, and so, like this kind of dabbing process. And I wonder if that's how you bring the characters out into such by just by just doing it very slowly, I guess, mm-hmm. and kind of. I think that's what it is. Um, like even when I was outlining, I did the outline. It looks very bare. If anyone else probably looked at it, they'd probably just say, okay, I don't see how this is a book. <laughs> but in my mind, the artist in me, it makes complete sense to me. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, everything makes sense to me, but it's literally like pulling, okay, this part of her life is needed to understand why she's the way she is. Um, this part, eh, we can leave that out. Um, right. Just in different pinnacle points of their lives, like starting college would be present because they're so close knit when they're 16 it would make sense that you put that in there so it's just picking and choosing what is necessary to understand their characters and what's not so much necessary but and, also, oh, go, ahead. go ahead no please no. Okay. i was just gonna say as as i'm listening to you talk and we had just referenced harry potter and what I'm sort of kind of seeing between the two as a parallel is, you know, when we start Harry Potter, he's really young. And by the end of it, you know, he's, we've watched him come of age. We've mm-hmm. watched him go through these things and we've watched him and, and the other characters as well, uh, with all that is in that universe there. Yeah. Um, but we watch him come of age. We watch them move through. And so, although the first book might be for little kids, the last book is for us as adults. And right. so I'm, I think what I'm kind of, when you said Harry Potter, you were a big fan of Harry mm-hmm. Potter. And now here you've almost sort of, you're kind of going in a different sort of thing with these four ladies, mm-hmm. moving them almost as a coming of age, you know, from that 16 point. So maybe the first, you know, maybe there's like a young adult fiction component, but really it's kind of a coming of age novel mm-hmm. and moving them through Absolutely. at the just same time. Moving them through, um, just them coming of age and the, quote unquote coming of age of their friendship too because we know that a lot of your friendships change the older you get um i might call you every day when i'm 16 but at 27 i'm kind of like uh catch me um next week i promise i'll call you (laughs) um it gets to those kind of things but the love isn't lost or the friendship isn't in trouble but you're just busy so it's like taking you through all these transitions and then when they get together they're still the same it's funny, I've reached that point with my brothers where I expect in the next 10 years, the messages I get will be on my phone will be, hey, it's me, nobody died, so just call me when you get a chance. Like, <laughs> Right, that kind of thing. I just called to let you know no one's dead, and, yep. all, and I'm one of those people who aren't dead. Yeah, we're good. I'll get over here and just keep it moving. <laughs> um, now, when you went to choose, so this book kind of happened almost, the, the first book anyway, kind of happened almost by accident, but eventually you had to kind of make a decision about what you wanted to write about. Mm-hmm. And you could have written, you, you chose to write about the relationships between women, which is something we've been interested here mm-hmm. in, in before. And did you do that because it was, it, it appealed to you? Did you do it because you thought it was something that you had to say or that it was important and you found a way to say about it? Um, yeah, it was more so I feel like it's important, but it's not necessarily, um, a priority for most people. Um, you don't talk about the relationships of women, which they pretty much are what keeps the world running. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's what's so fascinating about how they don't come out often enough or. Right. Um, and that's what I felt. I felt like it had been a while that you just talked about somebody being friends and what that means, like for women to actually not fight. Um, because for some people that's entertaining, right? (laughs) That to just, it's 
she's fighting over him or she's fighting with him or she's fighting about something. But very rarely it's like, you know what? I'm going through my stuff and it might be him involved, but I'm not necessarily saying, okay, I'm going to negate my friendships because I have everything else to do. So I felt like it was something that needed to be said, mm. but it needed to be said in a way that people would actually read it. Because if you just come out and say like, hey, seriously, women, we got to stop fighting. They <laughs> right. might not necessarily feel like that's something that they're like, oh, yeah, I agree with you. It's cool. Like they won't necessarily do that. So I'm like, fall in love with the characters and then you'll go back and you'll say, hey, you know what? They actually were really good friends and they did go through a lot, but it didn't like prohibit them from being actual like good friends to each other. Well, I have, so I have four daughters and Mm -hmm. watching the way that they react with one another is fascinating in that from the outside, they just have this bare toothed hatred for Mm -hmm. one another. But of course it's not the case. (laughs) Right. And I think what's interesting about trying to tell these better stories about women's relationships with one another, whether they be sisters or friends, is this from, from, old guy point of view it <laughs> looks like they they're not getting along but it's just because i'm not a part of that relate it's a relationship that is so far into because brothers are you have brothers brothers are different brothers are punch one another but <laughs> we're on the same side all the time and no one questions like if anyone right. sees us together there's no question about whether or not we're on the same side if anyone sees my daughters together there's a question about whether someone's going to get stabbed <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> But that's not the case at all. And describing how that kind of relationship holds itself together is, mm-hmm. is just is just fascinating to me. I don't know if it's just because it's so foreign, because usually my depictions of women are are either this the either this either this catty thing or one of them has cancer and the other one's raising their children or whatever. Right. Just a little melodramatic. Right. Everything is always um like I said, drama is like one thing that you kind of center it around. And um even I feel like as women, because we're emotional creatures, you're going to have drama. I mean, that's, it's inevitable, but it's in how we deal with it that I feel like is the missing factor. We kind of, um, life has a way of just in general, it's kind of, we have a way of telling you everything that's wrong, but we don't tell you how we get it right and actually function properly in the meantime. Like even, of course, like you said, sisters, we're catty all the time. If you saw me and my sisters in a room, we would probably argue 70% of the time. Um, And it's not even really arguing. We'd probably just be like, ew, why'd you wear that shirt? Like that kind of (laughs) thing. And it's not anything. I don't have any love lost (laughs) with her, but it's just like, ew, why'd you wear that shirt? We're very blunt with each other. But in the same sense, if my sister was falling apart, I would be there and say, hey, let's get it together. Like we can do this. I just had, since everyone's talking about their brothers and sisters, I have one sister who's probably listening to this and she's awesome and she's the cooler sister and, uh, you know, we, we get along beautifully. So I just want to yeah. just throw that part Hell out. She's, yeah. she's, she's your youngest child. They don't really know what life. Yeah. <laughs> but so for you as a, as an author, you know, with all of, you know, with dealing with relationships with women, having these sisters, having, wanting to kind of tell a certain narrative, was it, you know, when you're developing for me, sometimes developing one character is hard enough. How do you sustain that with four characters? And then beyond that, sustain that for a trilogy. I mean, that sounds like an, a tremendous amount of effort for it you. Is. Is, that a, is it a hard balancing act? Um, not so much because, like I said, once I started writing the first one, it's kind of like I literally could talk to you about them like I know them. 
Okay. Like there's right. like they're my friends. Like they are your sister. <laughs> right. Sure. So yeah. like they're like they're my friends. So I could tell you like if this happened, this is probably how she'd react. So that's why when I did the outline for the book, it's kind of like, okay, if this is what's happening with her, this is how everybody's going to react to this okay. specific situation. So a lot of dialogue happens in so even though I because it's written so that I know what they're thinking, but I also know the dialogue between them and their friends. So like what they would say in that situation, because they know what she's thinking too. Sure. So, so it's revealing within the dialogue. Right, well. Within the dialogue, like, okay, one of them would say, Oh, well, I'm sorry. Like, that's cool. And then the other one would be like, okay, seriously, like that's enough sap. Like that, that, that's just let's move be on. happy again. Right. Like let's move on. So you kind of have those balances that keeps everybody steady, but it's easy to write about them because like I said, I've developed them. And that was the point of the first book to develop them so much to the point that I actually knew them, how they would respond and like keep it moving like that. That was, that was going to be my observation. The, the, what you're asking of the reader is to get to know them as well as you do. And right. that's, and that's why it's, I guess it's important to kind of establish that in the first book where people, it's not, you're not just registering what's happening to them. You're, you, you have to develop an empathy right. so that you can come along with them and say, Oh, well, I know, you know, I know how, I know how she's going to react to that. Oh, like she can see it coming. <laughs> right. like, the reader can see it coming. Just like, like- <laughs> Oh no, she's going to be mad. But that kind of thing, because like I said, it's not a book that's free of drama, but drama isn't like the steady storyline. Um, it's more so like when something happens, they come together and they get it together. They, something happens and they'll come together and they're good at together. So at some point you come together always like that's their steadfast thing. Um, they always come back together and say, okay, we need some middle ground because they're each other's middle ground. I can talk to you guilt-free. Like you're not going to say I'm crazy. You're, I'm just going to talk to you about it and we're going to keep it moving. But, um, that's why, like I said earlier, that's why I wrote it. I want to encourage that with people, like have someone that you can be completely transparent with that when you're, it's finished, they're not going to say, you know what? She's crazy. <laughs> right. Um, they're just going to say, you know what? That's my friend. And like, that's just how she is, but let's just keep it mutual. Like she can come and talk to me about anything. I feel like that's what everyone says about me behind my back. Not, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, so last but not least, just real quick, um, how did you, how do you market the book? How did you get it published? And then how did you market it? Um, I actually self-published. Um, and I went that way because one, I was completely nervous, um, about putting the book out and I was just like, eh, I don't really know, but it actually turned out to be a very great decision. Um, but it was through my website. Um, adesicardesigns.com and I sold everything strictly from there because I wanted to have my hands on everything. Makes um, sense. That was a big thing. Like I wanted to have my hands on everything because I'm like, I designed the cover. I wrote the book. I want to sell it on my website and I just want to keep it like that so that I know who's, who I've sold a book to. It's kind of difficult to do that when, um, you don't self-publish or you don't publish with a smaller company. Um, so that was really like the biggest thing that I had to deal with. But so that's the route I went and I was happy with it. Um, well, that's interesting though. Do you collect, for instance, the email addresses of the people who've purchased so that you can say, Hey, there's another book out. Just so yes. you know. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I figured that out. Um, it's been an interesting route, <laughs> but um, I just sold it through my website and they automatically populate the addresses. Okay. You've purchased this. So then I can go back through and say, Hey, the second book, we're ready for it. Um, you can just order another book and keep it moving like that. It's fantastic. Yeah. And with self-publishing, that's one of the, um, that, that is one of the perks is that mm-hmm. 
you retain a lot of control. And sometimes for some authors, they make terrible decisions and uh, then it's all on them. But for an author who has, is making good decisions to Mm -hmm. have that control and and be rooted on it can sometimes work out really well for them. I'm I'm certain that there are authors that are listening. They're like, I wish I was a graphic designer. I want to save myself a couple dollars. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. That's what my husband would say. He's like, you kind of have the best of both worlds. Like you don't have to wait on anyone to design your book cover. It's kind of like, oh yeah, it's done. Like, let's just send this to the publisher so it's a great thing for me that i have both sides of it yeah i wish i had a better background in it for sure <laughs> you know what's a great thing for me limericks and haikus well those are mine <laughs> <laughs> so folks um if you're interested in getting mail from us there's one simple way to do it you can go to the so what's your story podcast.com Click on the contact us page and there's a form there where you can fill out your name and your email. If you pick a word, I will make it into a haiku. Then I will send it over to Tony. And I will make it into a limerick. And we will put it on a postcard and uh, send it to you in the mail just like it's 1850. Maybe a pony will bring it. We will pay a man to bring it to your house. By putting a stamp on it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're paying him though. Well, sure. Yeah. All right, Stephanie. Well, now this is part of the show where you thank the guests. Oh, gosh. Alyssa, thank you so much for being here and and chatting about your novel. Thank you for inviting me. It was fun. Awesome. (laughs) So What's Your Story was recorded at Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at SoWhatsYourStoryPodcast.com where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And if you like it, then feel free to give us a great review. Tell your story.